Hey everybody, welcome back to Choose Inclusion and our special segment, uh, Black Voices Matter. I'm here with Nina and Mike as always. Hello team. Hey everyone. Good afternoon. And we are we're really lucky to have uh, someone who has become a good friend over the last gosh, couple years now, I think. Um, yeah. She's the vice president of talent acquisition at Dish Network locally here in Colorado. Hi, Janet, how are you? I'm great, Evie, how are you? Hi, Nina, hi, Mike. Doing good. You know, I think um, we're just, we're lucky to be here and we're lucky to be able to, to listen to you. So how, how are you doing with everything that's going on? How how are you? Um, I am. I am. I will just say okay. Um, I think, you know, in the midst of a global pandemic, to have um, the level of unrest that we're experiencing right now in the Black community and. Um, being the wife of and the mother of three Black men is sobering. Um, it forces me to face the um, some of the ugly truths and undercurrent that um, have been allowed to fester through the years. And so it's, um, I think it's, it has just caused me to be still and really focus on what matters and make sure that, um, you know, I am doing and being everything I can to support my family personally, right? And so um, I, I am okay, but I'm also trying to navigate what the right thing to do and the right person to be for my family in this moment. Because, you know, in, in one in one conversation, talking to my 18-year-old, I'm like, yes, let's go downtown and 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 march and make the signs and do all the things. But as a mother, I also I want them to be safe. And so, you know, in the next conversation when my 18-year-old wants to go hang out with his friends um, at night. I don't want him to go because I, 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 you know, the world is not a safe place for black men at the moment. And um, so trying to navigate that, you know, adult teenager safety um, kind of um, growth paradigm in my home is it's quite exhausting. Um, and then, you know, couple that with having to come to work and continue to do all the things and lead the team in the midst of what is really an unprecedented time um, hasn't been easy. So I'm okay, but I'm, I'm, I think we're, as we all are dealing with a lot. What is What's it like back at work? Cause I know, so you all have been back in the office for about, a, about seven weeks now. Yep. What, yep. So what have you, you know, this, so you've been back after COVID 
before George Floyd and now post George Floyd's murder? What, what have you seen? What have you heard? Well, you know, I, um, actually, you know, I, I was, I'm commending Dish Network for putting all of the safety provisions in place to make it so that, and, and we're only 50% back in um, this building, but um, everything has been put into place to keep us safe. So that was um, not a difficult decision for me. And quite honestly, the pace at which we work has helped um, just the organic interaction um, improve tremendously, right, from remote working. Um, supporting my team through the pandemic, you know, as they're nervous about returning to work because not everyone is of my mindset, has been an interesting lesson in leadership and making sure we're meeting people where they are understanding their concerns and supporting them through that while representing the organization as, as I'm charted to do. But then George Floyd happens and um, it happens, he gets murdered. Um, you know, the conversation becomes quite muted. People don't know what to say, um, you know, or they may say the wrong thing. And so the energy that it has taken to navigate the uncomfortableness has been, it's been rough. I gotta be honest with you now. I can't imagine having to have done that um, over Google Hangouts. Um, it's, 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 it's been comforting to have the few difficult conversations that I've had in person, albeit with masks on, but um, it, it has been, it has been tough because you've got, you know, I've got um, Blacks on my team. I've got Blacks in the company. We've got the African-American network. And thankfully our, our leaders leaned in, you know, the Monday morning we had a call with the African-American network leadership team. And, you know, we just had room to express what we were feeling on that call with our CEO and our CHRO. And so that was, that was good. I think um, we're now at a place of wanting to understand what our next steps will be as an organization. And so I don't think the, you know, the exhaustion is still there because we've been culturally trained, Blacks have been culturally trained that in the corporate world, you navigate someone else's world, right? We, we, we're, we're accustomed to making everyone else comfortable. We're accustomed to um, assimilating. And we are at a point now with, since George Floyd's murder and all of the unrest where we, we don't have the energy to do that anymore. Um, we are spent in terms of the, the outward acts of racism um, and even the, you know, the, the more um, covert scenarios that we have to navigate, but we're just spent. And so um, what I see is weariness um, on, on my coworkers' faces um, because we can't, we can't do it anymore. 
And so, um, you know, we are all banding together, understanding what is it that we want to see done and communicating that in an appropriate way to our leadership so that our voices can be heard, but also that, you know, helping them understand, helping, you know, the, 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 the majority within the organization understand that we're, we're pretty exhausted. And so um, we need to focus on ourselves at the moment. Please give us the space to do so. Janet, I, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the raw just candor that you have. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, what you're speaking of, um, I mean, it's, <laughs> sounds like institutionalized racism, right? Like, and we, we had another conversation uh, with another guest that uh, really talked about, you know, the, um, the institutionalizing of, of th this concept where, uh, yeah, it is up to the marginalized communities to conform, um, to accept the microaggressions, all of those kind of things. So, um, I'd love to know what your, you and your organization. So it's great to say, okay, we need some space. Okay. That's, that, that, that's, that, that's the immediate. What, what is, you know, a kind of an action plan? What is a roadmap that, you know, um, you're, you're, you're hoping to get in an organization, you know, a multi, multi-billion dollar international organization, uh, I'd, I'd love to know, like, what, what, what are you attempting to put in place? I, I'd, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, we are, um, this has drummed up and put focus on a number of initiatives that were already actually underway. Um, you know, I'm in, I'm leading talent acquisition. So one of the thing is how do we um, make sure that we've got a diverse, more diverse pipeline than what we've had previously coming into the organization. And so, you know, from our university relations all the way up to our executive ranks, we're looking at um, an intentional effort by both the hiring managers and the recruiters to offer a slate of um, opportunities or, or candidates for the, for, the, for the positions, but also making sure eventually that one of those doesn't look like the other. Um, so that is something that is well within my control and actually already um, in the works. Coupled with um, a robust interview certification program, because um, you know, bringing in diverse talent means that there's going to be um, an opportunity for bias um, unconsciously there's going to be an opportunity for, um, you know, um, a lack of objectivity when you're considering the candidates. And so um, we're looking at, you know, putting significant rigor around who interacts with candidates, who interviews with them and making sure they're certified and trained in all the areas that will um, prime and, and keep open the opportunity for diverse candidates to become hired into DISH. Beyond that, um, you know, mentoring programs for individual contributors of, um, of, of minority communities or marginalized communities by executives on a, on a, on a 
open bases, right? Right now it's really based on relationship, whose team do you work in and sort of that relational um, happenstance mentorship, but really establishing a program that people opt into to mentor other employees that are not in their ranks, but that they can support and eventually sponsor. Because we know sponsorship is, is, is really what it's about in these days. Um, right now, we don't publish our um, diversity metrics, but I am actively working with my team to get those published on our career site so that from an attraction perspective, people know what they're walking into and recognize that we view this diversity as an important aspect of who we are. And we're willing to talk about that, right? Being open about where we are as an organization. Um, you know, I view all of those as um, micro initiatives that will collectively prime the pump. Um, you know, we don't today have a, an established um, unconscious bias training. I'm sad to say, but we are, that is in the works, right? Not just as a part of our interviewing um, um, sort of certification, but just more corporately adding that to the suite of uh, training that we have. We've got a pretty, a world-renowned and award-winning um, training and development organizations throughout DISH, using them to, to, to put efforts in place to make sure that we're, we're managing that bias. Um, and I think finally, from an employee resource group perspective, over the last couple of years, we've really seen them grow. Um, we've got the LGBTQ um, organization, women's organization, Black organization, um, uh, empowered parents, veterans. What we haven't tapped into them for, though, is to serve as the voice to really help us tailor our programming, be it training, be it talent acquisition, to make sure that we are being um, thoughtful in every aspect of the candidate and employee life cycle. So, you know, you talk about what are we doing? We're doing some things we plan to do even more um, to make sure that DISH is the inclusive place that I know that it can be. You know, that brings up something we've talked about before, um, you know, sort of and like focused or, or like taking care of your employees. And in this case, taking care of your employees of color, like what, you know, how do you, how do we shift from not overtly talking about racism, for example, to not only talking about it, but now taking care of that particular group of people within our organization. Like, how, how do you, how do we get people to make that mindset shift it's to, tough, to right? do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough, especially when you don't have the muscle memory to have done that before, right? I think it starts with recognizing that we, we are different, but it's our differences that make us valuable. So if you spend the time to get to know me as a black female executive, um, there are things you're gonna learn, right? There are assumptions that are gonna be um, dismissed and leaders need to recognize that you have to take the time to get to know your people, 
for the humans and, and what they bring to the table. So um, I think it starts there because then you're respecting that employee space, you're respecting their experiences, and you're opening up the conversation to see how can they contribute in ways that, I, that you would have never imagined because I took the time to sit down and get to know them. We, you know, we assume that leadership is just about the, the project tasks and the, what we have to get done every day. Um, but when we, when we assume that the people, when we assume away their individuality, that's where we get in trouble. And I think a lot of that has happened just in the workplace in general. So getting back to the human factors, I think it's step one, and then acknowledging the current climate. Say the word racism, say the word systemic racism, right? Say microaggressions, acknowledge that they exist. And then the conversation that, that allows your, your, your black teammates to exhale because they're not having to tiptoe around um, whether you, you know, what is your, which side are you on? Um, you know, what, um, are you a racist, right? And, and maybe you are, but at least if, if you're willing to have that conversation with me, it clears the air for forward movement. We haven't had that. And so I think that's step one is, is I love what you're doing. I love this podcast concept because you're listening. Um, you're asking the right questions and you're acknowledging that we need to do better in this space. So. Yeah, well, and that's, I think, you know, that the, the question that we asked ourselves, um, you know, was like, what can we do? And I think, and we're getting that same question from so many people. And I think it's, um, I think, I think we can make a sustained effort by doing, and I think a big place that we can do that is within organizations, you know, because that's, you know, that that's, it's an, it's, it's so interesting to me. It's like that there are these systemic issues that have, that permeate everything, everything. And, and so that's sort of the first hurdle, but yet even though those exist, organizations have tried very hard to become more diverse and inclusive. Um, but so, but, and so that's why I think there, there's a way that we can maybe see sustained change through organizations taking on this fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what, what is, I don't know, what does it look like to you in, in a few years from now, if, if we're able to maintain this trajectory, what does it look like? You know, um, I can bring my full self to work, right? I can, um, you know, I can wear my hair natural and not have all the looks, right? I can, um, I can, um, you know, I and my coworkers can be who we are holistically without fear of retribution or lack of forward um, forward progress in our career because of what our hair looks like, what we wear, or what our skin color is, um, or what our experiences say that we are. Um, 
you know, it's a place where diversity is celebrated, not muted, um, because that is incredibly taxing on an organization. It's not healthy, nor is it healthy for the individuals that experience it, right? I, I, I look forward to the day. And actually, you know, you talked about how I'm feeling. Like I said, there was a lot of exhaling because we now we can talk about it. The cat's out of the bag. And so the, the organization of the future continues to let that conversation take place openly and you calibrate, you fix what's broken and you move forward. But everyone is aligned on the fact that, um, you know, marginalizing a group for whatever reason is not the way to lead an organization. And so let's, let's figure out how to have processes and programming that minimize any of that happening. Janet, thank you so much for your authenticity and, and vulnerability. I can hear, I mean, honestly, I can hear exhaustion in your voice from uh, obviously everything that's going on right now. And I really appreciate you taking the time and, and space to, to join us today and, and our listeners and, and everything like that. So I wanna thank you for that first. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask a, a follow-up question. Just, you know, there's so much momentum around these conversations happening now. What do you think it's gonna take to make sure that this momentum continues? And it doesn't just kind of fall by the wayside after everyone gets distracted by something else. Yeah. <clears throat> it's going to take everyone's effort, right? Um, for years, I think it was predominantly, and I'm not saying it wasn't a diverse protest, but by and large, um, civil rights, racism was a black person issue and it was up to the black people to, to, to rail against it. Um, what I see and what makes me full is the images of, um, you know, the eight minutes and 46 seconds of people laying place down downtown Denver and downtown Denver. It's going to take that kind of um, coordinated, consolidated effort by people of all colors and races, um, I guess, and race of all hues and nationalities to really um, 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 break the cycle. I don't think we can do it alone. So my hope is that, you know, the majority will continue to, to, to fight against going back to where we were, because that's the only way we're going to um, break down the system that was created by the majority. I, I, I am a firm believer that, um, you know, the oppressed can't break the system. I, I don't know the quote and I'm not gonna try to remember it, but the, it's going to be difficult for the black community to completely demolish the system that was created to minimize their impact um, within the, um, the country as it is today. So, you know, Nina, I, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, I imagine, but it's going to take, you know, the, the folks that created it to tear it down. 
what I'm what I'm encouraged about uh, Janet is again it's um, I, I totally agree it's going to take it's going to take a lot more people uh, rowing this boat it's going to be a lot more people getting into the race right? whatever uh, metaphor we want to use we we need we need more more people and again just just today um, uh, you know uh, yet another juggernaut of a company uh, Netflix spend a hundred and some odd million dollars going directly to, um, to, to aid. Right. So again, it's how, how, how you continue this momentum is by getting, uh, resources right behind the yes. uh, good intention people. And, and that, 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 that will help sustain momentum in my opinion. Um, do you, uh, are you able to share, uh, you know, from, Obviously, you're an executive in a global company. Uh, is there is there any uh, uh, you know any news from your organization about doing something similar? Uh, nothing that we're ready to share, Mike. I'd say um, you know we're we are on a journey, and you know the the points I shared earlier are probably where we feel like the biggest impact is at the moment. Um, you know, as with anything, you've kind of got to look at yourself first and make sure your house is in order before the external movements. And I think that's exactly where DISH is at the moment. Not to say that that's not a roadmap item, but it's um, it's certainly um, not something we're, we're prepared or ready to talk about right now. Yeah, I, I think um, I think you know it, it's. I mean, there is no roadmap, right? Like, there's no. Yeah. Other than drawing a line in the sand, other than picking a side. Um, you know, I, and I don't know. I mean, do you mind if I ask you about your mom? Because I, you know, um, I know the history there, but it just you know the the comparisons that you know, your mom may have experienced versus now and have you had a chance to talk to her about what's going on? Is that a fair question? <laughs> oh, it's fair, it's fair. You know, I often talk to her about it and I admittedly, I get upset with her sometimes because she does. You know, I'll say, what was it like as a, a, an HBCU graduate, math teacher, who then you know, goes and gets a master's degree in physics at another HBCU and applied math, and then goes to become a computer, you know, doing working math problems at NASA for predominantly white male engineering um, groups. You know, how, how did that make you feel, especially when you realized you had this you know, similar background in education and capabilities, but you didn't have access to the opportunities? And, and, and she'll say, because that's their problem, not mine. And, and, you know, it infuriates me, but that's her truth. And actually it's, it's so, um, it is so illustrative of who she is as a woman, as a black woman and as a professional, because her story is she went to her boss and said, I'm just as good as the, you know, the guy, the engineer down the hall. We've got the exact same pedigree 
and yet he gets the promotion to engineer and I get the promotion to, you know, computer, whatever. And, and her boss says, you know what, you're right. And then that is what sort of launched her pivot into the engineering ranks. And, you know, she says oftentimes, because she's asked this question a lot, and she says, I just didn't make it my problem. I made sure my, res my results were impeccable. And um, I fought for the roles and the rights to do the things that I thought I should be. And, and that was that. When I, when I think about what it was like, because you're talking about the late, the, you know, mid to late 60s, early 70s, there was racism and it did exist and it was systemic. And I just mourn at the idea of what she could have achieved in such a, a shorter period of time, right? I think about what if, and I'm not trying to minimize any of her accomplishments, but she probably could have been on the moon, right? She could have run right. NASA. She could have, I just think it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't sit with me that, you know, yes, she's, she's a hidden figure and she's awesome, but what more could you have done? Right. Yeah. So. Well, and, and I think that, that what the, the, that's, what's interesting to me about that discussion or, and I think what maybe has been sort of, what's been holding us back to your point is, is the, the generational divides and I think I, we've sort of seen it in general too. And I think in, in the diversity and inclusion space where uh, we, you know, we've seen women leaders from the you know, older generations who you would think would wanna help younger women make their way up the ladder, but instead acted the opposite. You know, like it's, it's just interesting that the generational differences and how, how a lot of those have sort of maybe what what have held us back up until this point yeah from from you know yeah from having your mom make it to the moon you know right. uh, it's just it's it's super interesting i mean there's so many layers and i think that's what overwhelms people but i don't know I no it is overwhelming yeah. i um she tells the story of how her you know she wanted to you know, I, I don't know whether she wanted to major in engineering. I, I forget what the specific undergrad request was, but her dad told her, and he's the son of a slave. He says, no, you need to go get a teaching degree because you need to be able to get a job and support your family. So factor in a woman of color who has the STEM interest and desire who is the granddaughter of, you know, a slave, who is um, a woman whose father's telling her, no, you need to go. And not that teaching is an, a noble profession, profession, but I think it is just, it is illustrative of how, you know, being a, um, the, the, the level of intersectionality um, um, weighs on, you know, my mother and, and myself as we try to navigate professional careers and seek our full potential. 
what could have happened if racism and systemic racism didn't exist because we're already dealing with all these other things <laughs> and then you and then you and then you factor that in so um it, it's it you it is overwhelming um and and it just again i use the word mourn i don't mean to overuse it but you do mourn the the the, the what is and all the possibilities that could have manifested themselves. Absolutely. Well, Janet, I just want to thank you so much for, for joining us today and, and sharing your story and sharing your, your mother's story and kind of the multi-generational stories um, from, from your family and everything that you've brought to the table today in terms of kind of what are the things that we can do, but what are the safe spaces we can also create um, to, to make sure that this is a sustainable change and not just a, a one-off thing. So thank you again for, for everything you've brought, your wisdom, your vulnerability, just everything, bringing your whole self here today. We, we really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate, as always, talking with you guys. So thanks you for having me. And thank you to thank all you, of our uh, as usual, um, you can check out the recording of this uh, episode on our chooseinclusion.com website. Um, you can also download it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and see the captions on YouTube. Um, and yeah, we'll wrap up this episode today and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody. Thank you, Janet. Thank you.